following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Um, hey, we are in the middle of a series called This Is That. Pastor and his sweet wife, Patty, are on a just a couple of day getaway for their anniversary. And so he will be back in church on Sunday. And, and if you know anything about our pastor, he is... He's thinking about right now, like he's probably supposed to be at dinner giving Patty one-on-one attention on their anniversary, and he's probably doing that, but there's a part in his mind like, what's happening at CLC right now? Like he's, he's internally praying that church goes well, that all of you are doing well. If you know our pastor, you know that to be true. Um, and, and let's jump right into the word tonight. As most of you know, if you've been in a relationship with Jesus for any length of time, or if you've just kind of been around um, church or really even around the world, okay, you, you know that Jesus lived his life here on earth for 33 years, and as the word tells us, he would pay for our sins on that rugged cross, and then three days later, he would be resurrected, and then he would spend about 40 days just kind of hanging out in his glorified body, showing up, giving instructions to his disciples, and one of those instructions was to go to Jerusalem and wait, and in about 10 days, he said, I'm going to birth the church. And it's going to be a really, really exciting day, and we would call that day the day of Pentecost. And so they had this day, the day of Pentecost, and the church was born. And when the church was born, it was different than the way a lot of people had envisioned it, right? It was, it was kind of confusing to some people. And it's interesting, isn't it, that, that even to this very day that people will mock and reject Something that they don't fully understand. If you don't understand something, you have a tendency to to push it away or keep it at arm's length, even if it can be extremely beneficial for you, right? That that's just kind of the nature of what happens. And I think that they were I think they were rejecting something that they would actually want if they knew what it was all about. And so that's what we're trying to do with this series. And let me show you kind of what happens here. So the church was born in the book of Acts chapter 2, and it says that people were both they were amazed and perplexed at the same time. So they're like this is awesome there's this intriguing factor there's this excitement but there's also at the same time like I don't really understand it because it's not the way that I had it in in my mind so they were amazed and perplexed I I don't really get it all but man I'm drawn to it and so they would ask one another what what does this all mean And some actually 2,000 years ago and even to this day, right, it happened. Some would actually make fun of what would happen in Acts chapter 2. And they would say, listen, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with these people. They're crazy. Here's what's wrong with them. They're drunk. They've had way too much wine. And one of the disciples of Jesus was a guy by the name of Peter. And you you know Peter. Peter Peter did what, what we're trying to do throughout the course of this series. He would stand up with his other disciples and he would raise his voice and he would address the audience and he would say, listen, fellow Jews and for us tonight, fellow Austinites, listen, listen closely. Let me explain something to you. Listen carefully. 
to what I have to say. The, these people aren't drunk like you think they are. Because listen, if they were drunk like you think they were, I would tell you to avoid them too. I wouldn't want you to be around that. No, 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 no. But this isn't what you think it is. In fact, this is something that you've been wanting, but you think it's something else. So let me make it clear. And so let me put it in modern day vernacular. Okay, let me make it really simple. It would be like one of us saying, I don't want to play basketball And you would say, well, why don't you want to play basketball? And somebody would respond, I don't like getting tackled. No, 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 no. You have it all wrong. That's football, okay? So this is kind of where they were. They didn't understand what was really happening, so they were amazed and perplexed. And I have a feeling that people that you work with and people in your neighborhood and people even in this room are making decisions about faith and about Christianity based on mistruths and things that they don't really understand. And so here's where we get the title for this series, right? He would say, no, 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 this is is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This isn't what you think it is. It's something different than what you have in your mind. And so the first week... We talked about praise and worship, didn't we? And we, we broke down kind of why we do what we do around here. And the, the, we see it all the time on Saturdays. People go crazy and they call them fans, but they come in on a church on Sunday and they call us fanatics. But no, we're, we're not necessarily fanatics. We just know that we've been set free from a lot of stuff. And there's some moments in our life where we just can't help but give him praise for what he's done for us. And so that's why we get excited, right? We, we clap our hands sometimes because of what what he's done for us and how great he is. He deserves it. And then last week, Pastor Rex broke down uh, another kind of misconception that people have and they, they tend to, to hold this area of Christianity right at, at arm's length and that is the Holy Ghost. When you hear the word ghost, people think that don't know what it's about. I don't know if I, I don't, what are we talking about when we talk about ghosts and spirits and we know that The Holy Spirit is something that every single one of us needs in our life. And Pastor Rex preached about that last week. And so tonight we're going to dive into another topic that that I don't I wouldn't say that most Christians would probably say, yeah, I believe in that. Um, But I don't think we have a a great understanding on it. And I'm going to do my best tonight to kind of break it down a little bit. And and there's a lot of different views on it, even throughout the church world. And you probably have your own view. But we're going to look at the Word of God and see what, what Jesus actually and the Word of God says about miracles and about healing. And we're going to dive into that a little bit tonight. But there's two errors that I kind of want to start with um, in our time together tonight that that I believe, in my opinion, are errors. Um, And and really, it's kind of two ends of the spectrum. And and you've you've probably seen one end for sure, and and maybe you're familiar with the other end. But there's there's some people in, in Christianity that would say, listen, whatever I speak will come true. And, and I'm not sure that that's exactly what the Bible talks about when it talks about the fact that there's, you know, there's power in your tongue and in your words. Sure, your words hold weight and they hold power, but I'm not exactly sure that that's exactly what it was talking about. And then the, the pendulum swings to the other end of the spectrum to an approach called cessationist, okay? A cessationist approach. And, and what that is, it's an actual belief 
that even though there's not a single verse in the Bible about it, it's a belief that, that miracles happened in the Bible, but they don't happen today. And this is how they're teaching it, that once the early church was established and once the last apostle died, that in essence, God just said, I'm shutting the doors on miracles. Like, we're not going to have any more of that once the last apostle died. And, And I think that you and I know that not to be true, because isn't it true that you've experienced some miracles in your life, that we've experienced some miracles in this very building, that there's been some situations in your life that you didn't know how it was going to come to pass, but somehow some way God worked it all together and you look back and you say if it wasn't for the Lord I don't know how in the world this came to pass so we we know right especially here at this church we we don't take that view for sure and so this evening I want to take a look at one of the miracles that Jesus would perform that I think might help give us a little insight into this topic of miracles and healings. And I'm just going to tell you, I want to go ahead and build your faith tonight. We, we didn't have prayer in the middle of worship for a reason. It's because at the end of our time together tonight, listen, we're talking about healings and we're talking about miracles. And I don't know what you walked in here needing God to do in your world, but here's what I believe. Listen, if you'll allow your faith to rise tonight, we're going we're gonna to believe and ask the Lord to just go ahead and do something in your world so I don't know what it is that you need but why don't you allow your faith to start rising tonight because at the end of our time together tonight I'm believing the Lord to show up and do something in your world do you believe that tonight come on do you believe he can do it yeah so we we turn to the word of God John chapter 4 verse 46 is where we will start tonight And you can follow along on the screens on your electronic Bible, or if you have your paper Bible with you, you can follow along there too. John 4, 46 would say this. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And himself believed, and he himself believed in his whole household. This, again, is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So let's start at verse 46, okay? Let's kind of walk through this passage of Scripture and see what the Bible might have to tell us. Verse 46 tells us that once more, he, speaking of Jesus, visited Cana in Galilee. And this is, 
This is interesting because we'll, we'll start this passage off and we want to get right to the miracle part, don't we? Like we want to get right to where we see what happens where Jesus says, okay, your, your son's healed, go. And we're like, woo! But if you don't read all of it, you're going to miss something really important. And this would be one of those things. Jesus came again to Cana. And here's what I want you to understand from this. He went back, listen, to the place of his first miracle. Jesus went back to the place of the first miracle. And before we we really get going tonight, let me just pause and tell you for a moment that there's times in our lives when we need to revisit the place where God first did something for us. We need, to, we need to go back to the place where, where that, those bills got paid that moment when, when you didn't know how it was going to happen. In fact, you had given up that it was going to happen, but somehow you made it through the month, right? You, you need to revisit those moments when you didn't think your relationship was going to make it, but, but somehow you were praying and somehow the phone rang and they said, Let, let's give it a second chance. Like, it's time to revisit that moment. Or what about revisiting the moment in your mind when the doctor gave you one report and you prayed and you got some elders of the church to anoint you and lay hands on you and then the Lord gave you a second opinion, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's necessary to go back to the place where he first did something for you. Sometimes we've got to revisit Cana to the place where God has done something undeniable in your life, because listen, we, we got to get back there so that our faith can, can be kind of, God can press reset on us and allow our, our faith to be renewed for whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life. Think about this for a moment. Like, for instance, if, if your name was Lazarus, right, you might want to go back to your grave and put flowers on that spot where you once were dead, but Jesus spoke the words and picked you up out of that grave, right? Yeah. If you're Zacchaeus, you might, you might want to make your way back to that, that sycamore tree one more time because that was the place where, where God did something undeniable for you. Maybe Moses, you, you need to make your way back to that burning bush experience, that, that holy ground. And Jesus, Jesus made his way back to Cana. If Jesus did it, folks, listen, he didn't have to do it. But if if he did it, I think sometimes it's necessary for you and I to go back to that moment. Because what happens is, it's easy if you've been in church for a while, you, you forget about those little things, right? You forget about the times when, when you prayed for something small and he delivered, right? Now, now you've moved on to big miracles and you're, you're wondering why, but you forget about the little things that he's done. Sometimes you've got to go back to Cana. And, and here's what I've learned, listen, on my, in my 35 short years on this earth, that it's hard to deny the glory and the power of God when you are in a place where you can't deny that a miracle took place there. <laughs> when you make yourself, when you make your way back to a place where a miracle happened, it's hard for you to question if he can do it. When you go back to that place, it's hard for you to say, well, God, I just don't know if you can. 
Sometimes we got to go back to Cana. In fact, when Jesus went back to Cana, I just have a a small inclination that, that there might have been a little leftover wine from the first miracle that he performed when he went back to Cana there, and there was probably still some residual evidence of the miracle that happened. You go back to that place and it it takes your mind, it takes your spirit, it takes your attitude back to a place when he did something undeniable for you. And when you go back to those moments, what does it do? It lifts your faith. Because once we pray for something for, for so long, it becomes right, right our attitude, and we can't really pinpoint when it happens, but it happens. We begin to think, well, God, you did it for them. How come you're not doing it for me? God, I mean, you're, you're blessing everybody. I've been praying for a new job for six months, and they didn't even want a new job, and somebody came, recruited them, and they got a better job. God, why won't you do it for me? But see, when you revisit Cana, <laughs> when, you, when you move back to the place, your attitude and your mindset shifts from, God, why won't you, to God, I know you did, and I know you can. Where do you need to revisit tonight? Where is that place for you that you need to go back to and just throw your hands in the air, maybe let your knees hit the ground for the first time in a long time and just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for for whatever it is. Lord, I thank you for that prayer when I didn't think my son was ever gonna come back into relationship with you, but I prayed a prayer that I didn't even know that you would hear. Verse 46 would say, and and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And let me give you a little backdrop, right? That that in first century Israel, royal officials and Jewish rabbis would have run in completely different circles, okay? They're not following each other on Twitter. They're not posting on each other's walls. They're not liking each other on Instagram. No, no, no. They would be totally apart from each other. They would never come in contact with with each other. But desperate times (laughs) call for desperate measures because this this man's son was at death's door and, and this moment brought him to really knocking on mercy's door that it might be opened and that, that he might be healed and so it, it's amazing how situations can bring the mightiest to a place of God I need you because when your child some of you know this a whole lot better than me but when your child is knocking on death's door You will humble yourself in a way that you've never humbled yourself. You will get low before the Lord and say, Lord, whatever, if there's anything I can do, Lord, I want to do my part. But Lord, have your way. And I wish I had more time to really dive into this this idea of, of how the script flips here in this moment. Because if you think about it, right, who would be the one in authority in this passage? Who, who would be that person? It would be the royal official, right? The one that has political power. 
But in this moment, he recognizes that there is a greater authority. See, in this moment, he's realized and he's humbled to the place where he says, you know what, it doesn't matter everything that I have because there is something that I need that I don't have the ability to give myself. So he seeks a higher, a greater authority. Let me just go ahead and tell you that there might be some royal officials in your life that come knocking at your door. And see, what's going to happen is you're going to think that you need what they have. But what's happening is they're knocking at your door, and I'm not talking about your physical door. I'm talking about you run into them on the job, and you're wondering, why in the world are we having a conversation? You, you don't need to be talking to somebody like me. You're way up here in management, and I'm way down here, and you're like, oh, well, I don't have any. No, no, no. They're knocking at your door because there is a greater authority that you walk in, and they need what you have. So even in this passage, we see divine appointment taking place. And 40, verse 47 would say it this way. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him. Cana was 20 miles from Capernaum. As the crow flies, and Capernaum is 700 feet below sea level. So it's very easily, it was a very uphill hike, right? And the terrain would have been awful to walk through. And I want you to understand this tonight. Sometimes faith is measured in miles. And I would bring to our attention tonight that through this passage, it took 20 miles of faith for him to experience this miracle. I read this story, and it's, it came from the book, The Circle Maker. If you, maybe some of you have read that book. We did a series on it years and years ago here. But this was a response to that book. A man by the name of Paul Anderson was praying for a kidney transplant. Not for himself, but for a friend's son. And the reason he was praying was because God had revealed to him that he was the one that was supposed to donate the kidney. And so he starts circling the hospital in Oklahoma City where the procedure would take place. And he circled it every day for 160 days. And he calculated it up. It's a one mile lap. And he said when he added it up, when he, he ended up circling the hospital 350 times. So let's put that in faith. That's 350 miles of faith. But let me take it a step further. Because I think we can measure it not just in miles, but we can measure it in hours and calories. So at an average rate of three miles per hour, Paul spent 116 hours circling the hospital. That's nearly five 24-hour days Watch, so at an average burn rate of 125 calories per hour, Paul would have burned 43,750 calories. Theoretically, 3,500 calories and you burn off a pound of fat. So Paul burned off 12.5 pounds of fat praying for a miracle. Can I get an amen? Come on. <laughs> Pray for a miracle and get in shape at the same time. That's what I'm talking about. 
And on June 17, 2013, the miracle happened. Paul donated his kidney and saved the child's life. And so I would suggest to you tonight that it took 43,750 calories of faith for this to take place. And listen, I know, I know how dangerous this can be, okay? Stay with me. Because it's not about logging miles, it's not about tracking hours or counting calories. You can't earn a miracle the same way that you can't earn your salvation. I get that. There's no way you can manipulate God. You can't manufacture a miracle. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I do want to ask you, will you be willing to walk to Cana? Will you be willing to burn the calories to see what God can do? The Israelites had to circle Jericho seven times. Naaman had to dip in the Jordan River seven times. Elijah prayed for rain seven times. And I'm not saying there's magic in the number seven, but what I'm saying is sometimes you and I have to do the natural so that God can do the supernatural. Here's a good way to look at it tonight. Listen, it's time for you and I to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on us. Here's my point with all of this, and I want you to pay attention to this. Your effort won't make miracles happen, but your lack of effort just might keep them from happening. If the royal official had stayed in Capernaum, he would have missed his miracle. If he would have chosen to just stay back and say, I'm I'm not sure that it's worth the distance. I'm not sure that I need to to go to this man by the name of, he would have missed everything that was about to take place in his life. You can't sit back on a couch eating Cheetos saying, God, if it's your will, bring it right here in my lap. That's not the way it works. Listen, you've got to position yourself for the supernatural. That's why it's important that you find yourself a place of worship, a place like this. And when the doors are open, you walk in and you throw your hands up, lifting him up with everything that you have. And then you, you listen to the word and you, you soak it in. You position yourself for a miracle. You can't earn a miracle But I would contend that effort is part of the equation. You you may have to hike uphill for 20 miles, but sometime that extra effort could be the catalyst for the miracle that you need in your life. Sometimes you got to walk to Cana. So here's what I'm saying tonight. Here's how I look at it when it comes to this, is that that I want an A for effort. I want to work and act like and put in the effort Like, I really believe he can do it. Because if I really believe he can do it, I'll do whatever it is that I need to do. I'll I'll walk as far as I need to walk. I'll pray as long as I need to pray. I'll knock on as many doors as I need to knock on if I really believe he can do it. I want an A for effort. The royal official would say this, Sir, come down before my child dies. This is what he would say to him. This is where I think some of us find ourselves, just as the nobleman did, in a place, watch, of limiting the power of Jesus to his local presence. 
Jesus, listen, I need you to leave where you are and make your way to where my child is because he's sick, he's going to die. I need you to move from where you are, come down here to where I am and do something miraculous. Obviously, he believed Jesus could heal his his child. He just didn't know that his power could work from a 20-mile distance. <laughs> he, he didn't know that, that Jesus could speak the word and his child would be healed. See, he thought he had to get him to make the trek all the way to where his child was. He didn't recognize the fact that when he speaks the word, it can be done. He didn't understand that the word of the Lord could operate apart from his physical presence. And I don't know what you're holding on to today. But listen, if you've got a word, you've got enough. I, I don't know what it is, but, but sometimes I know that, that we get in this mindset. I just don't know if it's going to happen. He, he dropped this in my spirit a long time ago, and it just hasn't come to pass yet. Hear me today. His word works. If he told you something, you better hold on to it with everything that you have because his word is enough. His word is Enough, you may not be able to see him, you may not be able to feel like it's going to come true, but I'm telling you, if he spoke it to you, he's got the power to come through. It doesn't matter how far away you think your miracle is. (laughs) Verse 50 would say it like this. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word And departed. The man believed the words that Jesus had spoken to him, and he went his way. Isn't this a novel idea? The man believed what he had heard. I don't know about you, but there's times when I feel like I hear something from the Lord, and I'm like, I don't know if that was God or not. Come on, what if you started believing what you were feeling in your spirit? What if you just went ahead and say, All right, God, you know what? That was from you, and I'm gonna hang on to it. I wonder what would happen. The man believed the words that Jesus had spoken to him and he went his way. Here's my point with this, is that a lot of miracles happen, but a lot of times they start with a word. And the ingredient between the word and the miracle is faith on the rise. And when your faith starts to rise, you start positioning yourself for the miraculous to take place. Because what I like to do, I won't speak for you, but there's times, right, when I walk into church, even as a pastor, and I'm not really feeling it. I'm just tired. Been a long day. But guess what? It doesn't matter. He's still worthy of all the praise, even if I feel like giving it to him or not. Can I get an Amen. When your faith is on the rise, you start to position yourself for a miracle. So I'm not going to wait till I feel it. I'm not going to wait till I see the miracle in sight. No, every time that I have a chance, I'm going to get in his presence and I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to believe the word that he gave me. Lord, give us ears to hear. By the way, 
going to be real hard to get a word if you're not in the word. John 15 and 7 says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you will and it shall be done. Isn't it interesting though that we're kind of back where we are, that it's, you got to seek Jesus. You don't seek miracles, you get, it's amazing when you get close to him that you see things start to happen that you can't explain. When you're in relationship with him, isn't it true? Like for, even for those of you that have been around this for a long time, when, when you, you go through ups and downs, right? There, there's, there's really hot times when you're just on fire for him and there's moments where it's a little more stale. But in those moments where, where things are powerful, right? You notice things that you don't notice when things are a little colder in your life. You, you start to recognize, wow, it's when you're close to him. You're positioning yourself for the miraculous in your life. Seek Jesus and watch what happens. Seek Jesus. Seek knowing him in a way that you haven't known him in a long time. And watch what starts happening in your world. Pastor Randy, if you'll help me. Did you notice what happened at the end of the story? Evidently, the moment that Jesus tells him, your son will live, the man believes him. He takes him at his word and he went back. But watch. What does he do in this moment? Verse 52 shows us that, that evidently the man checks his sundial because he, he meets his servants coming the other way and he asks him, he says, hey, hang on, hang on just a second. What time? What, what time was my, my child healed? Like, you got to, I need, I need, um, you got to go ahead and tell me what time. I need to see, I need to make sure that this is what I think it is. Because if, if this is what I think it is, he checks his, he checks his, and what does he do? He marks the moment. He marks the moment because, listen, it comes full circle, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, he recognizes the fact that there's going to come a time in his life, there's going to be another day when his son is healed, but there's going to be something else in his world, and he needs to be able to have a place to go back and visit an an undeniable place where he experienced the glory and the power Of God, he marks the spot, he marks the moment of where this miracle took place. And I think for a lot of us, God delivers and we move on to the next thing, forgetting about what it is that he had just done for us. We don't take time to thank him in the moment. We don't take time to write it down because what happens, you start writing stuff down, you start marking down the moments that you have with him. (laughs) And then when you need something, when you need him to come through and you open your Bible to the back where you got some notes and you start seeing, oh my God, I can't believe you healed my child back when he was three years. I forgot all about that. Oh yeah, you can do it. Oh, oh, you provided a job. I forgot about that job. You've provided for me 12 more jobs. You came, I needed it. I didn't have food and somehow somebody showed up when they took me out for lunch. 
you got to mark the moments when he does it for you in your life because you're going to need to revisit those spots from time to time. Because your faith, let's be honest, come on, it's not always way up here. Sometimes we get discouraged and we get frustrated. And we need to be able to go back to the moments where we experienced his undeniable presence. His miraculous power. Where he came through for us in ways that we never dreamed possible. I wonder, I wonder if tonight could be a night where you're going to have to mark the moment. On Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. I didn't know if my relationship was going to work. Of all days, this is the day it should work. And I didn't even know, but, but there was that we preached about miracles and healings and, and I just lifted my hands and I said, Lord, I need you to come through for me because I can't do it. I've said, I've said my peace, but he still wants to file for divorce. I wonder if today could be the day that you mark the moment where he came through for you. <laughs> Would you stand with me? You see, sometimes when Sometimes when my faith is low, I like to find, I like to find testimonies of people where God just does something just weird. Just something that that people look at and they say, are you serious? Like, there's no way. No, seriously. I got to reading a story this last week that I want to share with you today. When Ethan was in kindergarten, a standard hearing test revealed that he had profound hearing loss in his right ear. A follow-up visit to a specialist revealed that his right eardrum had actually ruptured. And then a trip to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia resulted in a more devastating diagnosis. There was a destructive and aggressive growth in the middle of his ear that would require major surgery and on June 10th Ethan underwent a seven hour surgery to remove it and that's when doctors discovered that the growth had completely eroded his eardrum the bones inside the eardrum and the ear canal and it was dangerously close to the lining of the brain and despite half a dozen surgeries in the span of two years the doctors concluded that his condition would require a more radical craniotomy and one day one day his, his mom Amy talking about the power of little things was reading a devotional Jesus Calling, some of you have probably read it and Ethan walks into her bedroom and he says hey mom what does it say on my birthday So Amy flips to August 20th, and these were the words that she read. I am the God who heals. I heal broken bodies, broken minds, broken hearts, broken lives, and broken relationships. My very presence has immense healing powers. You cannot live close to me without experiencing some degree of healing. And Amy 
crying, looks at Ethan. She says, honey, I, I believe that God is telling us that he's going to heal you. Ethan, do, do you believe that he can heal you? And this is, this is beautiful. Eight-year-old Ethan replies this. A man can only hope, Mom. That's what eight-year-old Ethan said. And from that moment on, their family mantra was this. God's got this. That they, that's what they kept telling each other. Listen, God's got this. When a down moment would happen, hey, hey, God's got this. Don't, I, I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but God's got this. Several months later, several months later, Ethan was rolled into the operating room. And during the scheduled four-hour surgery, it was standard procedure for the nurse to provide updates to the family every 45 minutes. And she did just that during the pre-op. But the updates mysteriously stopped. Seven hours after Ethan was wheeled into the operating room, a stupefied surgeon informed the family watch that there was no physical evidence of a mass or any bone loss. The mass was nowhere to be found and the parts of the inner ear that had completely eroded by the disease were completely regenerated. Amy, Amy would go on to say this. I I was in shock. That would be an understatement. We looked at each other in utter amazement. We prayed for this hard. But we were still surprised when God answered those prayers. From what all the doctors tell us, this isn't even possible. Skull bone doesn't restore itself. That type of mass doesn't go away on its own. It's not physically possible, but it's God possible. God's got this. God's got this. God's got this. And I want to look at somebody tonight and tell you, listen, God knows right where you are and God's got you. In the middle of your circumstance, God's got you. He's got this as our prayer partners are joining me at the front. Listen, there's there's nothing incredibly special about these people except they're just awesome human beings and they have high faith. Okay, they believe. They believe that God can do anything. They believe that God can do just crazy, stupid things. Just things that'll blow your mind. And I, listen... I'm just crazy enough to believe that he can do anything tonight. That I I don't know what you came in here carrying. I don't know what you came in here struggling with. I don't know what you came in here needing. But here's what I know. That he's got you. And here's what we want to do. We want to partner with you in prayer. And we want to bring your need before the Lord and just see what happens. Because when we get close to him, he will draw near to us. And so if you've got a need as our band plays... Come on, if you're not walking down, here's what I wish you would do. I wish you would slip your hands heavenward and you would say, Lord, whatever the need is that my friends have, that you would begin to open a door right now in their world. If they need healing, Lord, let it happen. And if that's you, I wish you would step out from where you are. We've got prayer partners all across the front over here.